0: Welcome to Transformation. This is Don Wick from the Red River Farm Network. I'm your host for this podcast series. Transformation is made possible thanks to a grant from CHS Community Giving. Our appreciation goes out to your local CHS cooperative and to CHS Family Giving itself. Transformation began earlier this year as a partnership between the Red River Farm Network, the Minnesota Department of Agriculture, and numerous stakeholders throughout our region. In this series of podcasts, we're bringing awareness to the issues of farm stress and mental health with a focus on solutions. Our guest this week is Mark Kane. Mark is in his final year on the job as an ag appraiser in Stearns County, Minnesota, central Minnesota. Mark, this is a second career for you. You actually started out uh, on the farm?
1: Yep, right out of high school, um, was set to go to college, and then the neighbor got sick, and we ended up buying his farm, and it came up to within uh, literally six inches of my dad's farmyard and machine shed, so uh, I kind of fell into farming by accident.
0: What attracted you to to the farm?
1: Um, The love of the land, working with animals.
0: So tell me about your farming experience. So how long did you farm... uh, Uh Your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, we started out in 1973 right out of school. The neighbor's farm was set up, had a modest hog-raising operation, um, and uh, I kind of enjoyed working with hogs. Uh, So in 1978, uh, we got married, and uh, I, I bought out the contract for deed that my parents had on the farm, and I started expanding the hog operation, and actually found out I was pretty darn good at it. Um, we had good genetics, had good production. We expanded several times. We fair would have finished about uh, 2,500 hogs a year, which at that time was a fairly good sized farm. And, uh, I got so good at it that, uh, about 10 years later, about 1988, I was Minnesota Hog Farmer of the Year. That was pretty cool. I was the youngest one ever to, uh, receive that honor. So, uh, things were humming along pretty good for us. Uh, my wife had an off-the-farm job, mostly to provide insurance. Uh, then we got hit with some low prices, some drought, some tough going. Uh, what kind of started us down the path to not farming anymore was, uh, 1992. Our oldest daughter developed severe scoliosis, which required spinal fusion surgery. So our 20% blue cross blue shield medical copay, uh, was about 10,000 bucks. And that doesn't help when you're kind of struggling anyway. And, uh, Later that same summer, my wife suffered a stress induced stroke.
0: Wow. The-
1: yeah, that that was that was a wake up call for us when we decided that maybe this wasn't this wasn't worth all the stress that it was causing us. I'm very happy to report that both my wife and my daughter made full recoveries. Um, but now our twenty percent co pay was about eighteen thousand bucks, which doesn't help. Uh, hospitals were very good about it. It took us three years to pay that off, but we did. And like most guys, when you when things get tough, um, our first instinct is to work harder. So instead of twelve to fourteen hour days, I was working eighteen plus hours a day to make a go of things. That put a lot of stress on us. Um, a few years later, now things are still not improving. We're we're struggling financially. Um, emotionally, physically, and uh, what, what really hurt one day, uh, our youngest boy at the time, he was about six, I overheard him talking with his mom. He said, why is dad so tired all the time, and why is he always grumpy? That, that kind of cuts you to the core. Uh, about that same time now, our daughter, the one that had surgery, was uh, a junior in high school, and I thought it was a little bit odd that she didn't go to her junior prom very outgoing very attractive young lady and uh we found out later that she chose not to do that because she knew we were going to have a hard time finding 150 bucks for a prom dress so that was uh when when a guy hears stuff like that that his family's struggling that really cut me to the core so
0: boy especially from the kids coming like that that's got to be hard
1: yeah yeah that was hard in addition to the stress of Finances being tough, and again, during that time, we had some droughts, we had some low prices, and it was just um, all the stars were lining up and they weren't in the right direction. So, but um, we had some pretty darn good friends, uh, a strong family unit, Uh, we belonged to a strong faith community, so we were sharing our struggles with them. And uh, at this time, I about 95, I took a part time off farm job at a local fleet store. Know, stock and shells running the forklift. Uh, in addition to farming, we had kind of cut back on hogs. And uh, one of our close friends discussed with me. Um, he worked in the local assessor's office in Morrison County, and they had a guy retiring. So he said, "You'd make a good assessor." And I said, "Oh my God, who in their right mind ever wants to be an assessor?" You know, <laughs> it's kind, it's kind of like one of those uh, options when you used to take the old test. It was D, none of the above. Yeah. But we we thought about it a lot. And um, we thought, well, I need to do something. So I began my second career as an ag appraiser.
0: So tell me about that. Have you enjoyed your time as an ag appraiser?
1: Very much so. So during that time, is was about a three-year period, we completely phased out of hog production. And I found out I really, really enjoyed being an assessor. Um, I had pretty extensive agricultural background. We did a lot of construction ourselves. We built a lot of the buildings so I was familiar with that. And I was still involved in agriculture just in a different way, shape, or form. So we we progressed on that path and it took about five years to get the bills paid. We ended up selling about half of our land off to to get out from under. And uh, now I'm on my way to be an ag appraiser. And uh, I really, really enjoy it. Um, I, I'm highly trained. I'm actually one of the leading ag appraisal instructors in the state of Minnesota. I teach ag appraisal classes, so I really enjoy it, and I'm very, I very—I like it. I'm very well respected at it, and it's provided a good, good living for my family. And as part of that process, um, your Minnesota listeners will know that. I don't quite know how it works in North Dakota, but uh, in Minnesota, we stop at farms. And review them once every five years. So last year, in the last couple of years, we've been able to see a lot of stress in these farmers. Um, Central Minnesota, where I work, I work in Stearns County now, is a pretty heavy dairy area. And they've been hit particularly hard with the low prices and a lot of them getting out of business. And one day last fall, uh, my work schedule is from 8 to 4.30. And on one day last fall, I had three farmers in one day break down in tears crying as they're talking about how tough it was. And having gone through struggles like that myself, it really cut me to the core. Uh, I actually called my boss up at about 3 o'clock and said, I'm done for the day. Can't I can't do this anymore. And at that same time, um, I was also involved with the University of the Minnesota Extension Service as a committee member. And I got to know uh, Emily Wilmus. She's a local U of M Extension educator. And I called her up and I said, Emily, we got to do something. These guys, I mean, we've had farmers that have killed themselves and um, gotten gotten divorced. And uh, um, we've seen uh, some of them turn to alcohol or chemical abuse. And it's really tough out there. And she said, ooh, perfect timing, because she was already developing a farm stress seminar. Uh, Last December in um, Sock Center, Uh, pretty well attended. I think there was like 120 uh, farm families there, and she asked if I would be one of the panelists and share my struggle. And to be honest, that was really hard. Just like today, this interview was hard because this is something that was not fun to go through, and it's something we kind of have put in the past. But. I know how important it is, so that's why I'm sharing this story again today with you.
0: It's, and uh, it's got to be hard because yeah. we we look at our identity as a a lot of times, especially as men, I think, with our career and as a farmer, it's really instilled into you. <laughs> it, it's difficult making that transition, I would think, from that career as a farmer and and in your case, uh, uh, a second career as an as an ag appraiser.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. It took. It wasn't something you know. You don't just quit and start over, you know, the next day. It was over a period of, it was probably about five years until um, the emotions healed up and uh, and the finances got better and uh, things started to point in a better direction for us, so yeah, it, w- it was tough. So, you know, the, the sad and harsh reality is many, many of these small-sized farm operations are simply not going to survive. I wish I could give a better message than that, but that's the reality of the world. But I want to talk, I'm hoping some of your listeners that are farmers will realize that there can be actual rewarding second careers sometimes within the egg industry or egg community and sometimes outside of it. Um, the, the biggest thing is keep your communication lines open with your family. Uh, hopefully you have a faith community or friends that you can talk to um, our friends really, really dug down deep, and, and they, they came and visited with us pretty often just to make sure that we were still doing okay. So that's kind of that's where we're at here. And, you know, this, this came to roost again just last week. Um, I was working in a small town, and uh, I ran into a farm mom. They had sold their farm to the son on a contractor deed about five or six years ago, and he expanded the dairy operation. So we chatted a little bit, and I said, it's kind of tough going. Yeah, she said, I don't know, my, my son is working very, very hard. His wife works hard. Their kids are helping. My husband works there full-time, you know, helping out on the farm. And she said, I kind of did some of the books. And she said, I actually ended up needing to take an off-farm job because we reduced our payments to our son so he could survive. And now it affected our income, so I said, "Here I am in my mid sixties, uh, working part time in town to buy groceries." So, it, yeah,
0: it's probably it, more it, common than we think.
1: It is, it is, and it's a lot of times farms involve multiple generations, um, and that that complicates things further. I know when I was going through this stuff, my my dad and mom were very supportive. They were aware that you know if you need to do something, you need to do something. My biggest Fear in this whole process was I—I I was a fourth-generation farmer, and I needed to go visit my grandpa who was in the nursing home at the time. He was 96, and I needed to tell him that, Grandpa, I'm not going to be farming anymore. And I—I I dreaded that more than anything else involved with this. And uh, so I shared that with him, and he was telling me all the struggles that him and Grandma had gone through—the depression and the the dust bowlers and the grasshoppers and all this other stuff and and he he knew I was struggling with it and he just he finally looked at me and he said, "Mark, if your horse is dead, get off of it it's not gonna get you to town so the thing I dreaded the most was actually the easiest thing
0: so, oh, wow, kind of gives yeah. me shivers it uh yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah that was a it was a struggle i I you know it was definitely. To date, I mean, I don't know what what lies ahead of me in life, but this was definitely the most challenging, darkest, hardest thing that I've ever gone through, and I don't wish it on anybody. But the reality is, I know there's a lot of people out there struggling, and uh, I just want to give them hope that uh, you need to feed your family, you need to take care of yourself, and sometimes that means making a change in your in your career path, your chosen vocation, and uh, it's hard, but there there is life out there besides farming. Most farmers tend to tell, sell and sell short. Um, they've got an incredible work ethic. They've got mechanical skills. They've got uh, agronomy skills. They've got animal skills um, that are very, very sought after. And uh, people love to hire farmers because they know how to work and they know how to get the job done. So there is life after farming. Um, it just hurts getting there.
0: No doubt. Any yep. final thoughts? Any uh, any advice you'd give to folks, Mark?
1: Communication. Yeah. Stay stay open with communication. Don't don't bottle it up inside because uh, if you put enough uh, pressure on things, things will pop, and and then we have then we have things that are bad for you, bad for your family, bad for the area. So hang in there, guys. It's uh, it's doable. You can survive this.
0: Great. Well, I thank you for sharing your story.
1: You're welcome, and thank you for doing the this, this series on this because it's, uh, it's a struggle out there, whether it's uh, in the dairy farms in central Minnesota or the grain farms up in the Valley, the, the struggle is the same.
0: As always, we'd like to remind you that help is available. If you're dealing with a stressful situation or you, if you know someone who is, there is the Minnesota Farm and Rural Helpline. All calls are answered by trained staff and volunteers That helpline number is 833-600-2670, and you can also visit minnesotafarmstress.com. You can find those links on the Red River Farm Network website, rrfn.com forward slash transformation. This project is funded by CHS Community Giving. Transformation is a partnership as well between the Red River Farm Network and the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. There are numerous stakeholders in this project as well, including Ag Country Farm Credit Services, Prairie St. John's, and the North Dakota Soybean Council. Until next time, I'm Don Wick.